Today's podcast is brought to you by my number one choice in tires, Pirelli. And since I used to be a race car driver, I know a thing or two about tires. The iconic tire brand is known for its long tradition of innovation, advanced technologies, and high-quality products. Pirelli recently added the new Scorpion All-Season Plus 3 to its American range. Developed to go the distance, it comes with a 70,000-mile treadwear warranty. Choose more mileage, more comfort, more control with the new Scorpion All-Season Plus 3. Ask your local dealer for a tune-up. Trust me, I'm a driver. And I had an obstacle that I then figured out. It gave me that like validation within myself that for so many years I was searching for outside of myself. I was searching for my husband to come home every day and validate me because I made nice dinner, right? I was waiting for validation from my parents to tell me I was a good wife. I was waiting for validation from so many external people or things that having that pivot, putting myself in these situations where I didn't think I was capable and then going, oh my God. I'm actually capable to figure it out, gave me that idea of what else am I capable of? And that was the thing of, I don't know what I'm capable of. I don't know where I'm going, but the idea that who I am today does not dictate who I can be tomorrow was so intoxicating that I was like, I need to do more of this. And that's where I started to pivot and say, what life do I actually want? And by golly, I'm going to freaking demand it of myself. Hello, welcome to the Pretty Intense Podcast. Thank you very much for stopping by. Today on the show, we have Lisa Bilyeu. She's an amazing woman that you're gonna learn so many great things about. She has a book coming out called Radical Competence, 10 No BS Lessons on Becoming the Hero of Your Own Life. It's out May 10th. The interview, you're gonna hear so much about how she's no BS and she holds herself accountable and how she's taught herself perspective and how to shift her mindset and how to be empowered and really how to use herself as to be to be the hero and not to wait for anyone. And she has such amazing stories about how she learned that lesson. Um, she also has uh, a show called Women of Impact. Um, she interviews inspiring women. I'm flattered she did ask me to be on, but she's learned lots of lessons from them. So at the end of the at the end of the show, you'll hear you know what her biggest lesson uh, from all these women has been. This was just a really sweet episode about a lot of inspiration and just sharing so many stories about how she became the badass woman that she is today. Her and her husband, Tom, started a company called Quest Quest Nutrition, and you may have heard of it. And it was the fastest growing company going from, I think, zero to a billion dollars in five years. Um, maybe the second fastest growing company at that time. So they know how to be successful. They're very determined people. Helping others is, is, um, is where it's at now, which she shares that as well, what her life goal is to share with the world. So please enjoy this episode. And thank you for stopping by. It really means a lot. I love doing this show and by you watching it, viewing it, liking it, subscribing, all those things, commenting, all of those things really help me understand what it is that you're into. Um, Right now, I'm learning that a lot of you are really into um, uh, psychology and um, aliens. So if you like this episode, let me know so I can interview more people like Lisa. Uh, But anyway, Enjoy the episode. Please, if you like what you heard today, please hit the subscribe button. Thanks for stopping by. 
It's so good to see you. I mean, for those who don't know, I recorded so many of my podcasts when I first started at your house. I mean, you guys were so sweet to let me use a room. And I then, I mean, like you even had guests and you're like, do you want to interview this person? And I mean, like you guys are such trailblazers in that category. You guys turned your house literally into a studio. Yeah, we did. It was just so wonderful having you though. And like, you know, I love surrounding myself with just badass women. I think that, you know, growing up, I saw um, powerful women as being intimidating. But as I got older, I realized that they can be so incredibly inspiring. And so for me, just like having you in my house and being around you and having like these epic people coming in and out, it was like, it's so amazing what that sort of thing can really have an impact on you emotionally. And so, yeah, girl, it was an honor and a pleasure. Oh, God. Thank you. Well, what what was responsible for that transition? Because I think you're speaking to a lot of people. I mean, I can I've I've felt that way at times, too, where, you know, there's an intimidation factor or sometimes maybe a jealousy factor to some degree. But what was it that transitioned that sort of relationship with strong women from something that was maybe something you veered away from to leaning into? Yeah, I, I think it's my own mindset. I think growing up, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, of course. It's, um, you know, women, growing up, women weren't nice to me, right? They were the bullies. They were the ones that, um, you know, I had this one girl. I, I still remember it to this day. I was like 11 years old and I had the hots for the popular boy in school. And we were going on a school trip and he came up to me and he was like, Lisa, I want to dance with you at the school trip. Now you can imagine I got teased. I had buck teeth. I had the big nose. I had like a unibrow. Um, and so I was like, this is the dream come true. And what ended up happening was I go to the party thinking that I'm about to have this dance and he's dancing with a popular girl in school. And it turned out they set me up so that they, they, they thought that they purposely made me think that I was going to dance with the popular boy and the popular girl was supposed to be my friend. So you can imagine when you're young and you get this, it's like you do see other women as threats as intimidation, as they were the ones that were bullying me. It wasn't the boys. It was always the girls. Um, but I think, so then I had like, I held on to the insecurity. So anytime I saw an incredible woman, it just became a reflection of how incompetent I felt that I was. My book, The Difference Between Jealousy and Envy. Envy can be something that you see someone have, but it inspires you, right? It's like, well, if freaking Danica, Danica can do it, then so can I, you know, and she's mm. come from nowhere and by golly, I can do it too. Mm. Like, that's freaking empowering and envy can be beautiful. But jealousy, to your point, can tear you apart. You just feel worse about yourself being around that person. And, you know, it is something that you strive for, but it really just reflects why you haven't gotten it versus which I use now is like a beautiful inspiration. And um, so, yeah, I think growing up, I realized that I was insecure with myself. It was actually my own feelings that I had about myself that were really echoing how I saw other women. And it wasn't until I started working on my own mindset and how I felt about myself and taking ownership over stepping up to the plate with bat in hand and swinging as hard as I can, even if I miss, that gave me the encouragement to be like, well, how did she do it? That's amazing. Maybe I can do it too. Wow. When I visited Egypt, I was introduced to an expert aromacologist who explained the healing powers of various scents 
I returned home with 18 bottles of powerful essences that unlocked specific feelings and had all sorts of healing properties. I became inspired to find a functional way to deliver them in a new consumer lifestyle product. Candles became my medium. Voyant means seer, a reference to the inner eye chakra one of the key energy points in the body essential to wellness and healing. Voyant is a doorway to openness and imagination, a catalyst in our daily journey. Whether you're connecting with others or enjoying alone time, Voyant strives to beautify the home and the soul to create a haven of peace and joy. The candle is delivered with a beautiful monogram 12 ounce stemless wine glass, which can be used after the wax is gone. My limited edition candle collection is available exclusively at voyantbydanica.com. Bold and brave and really difficult. Like, I don't think people understand how hard it is to even get to the point that you can start to see yourself in an equation. Mm -hmm. Like, I think most people go through life pretty asleep to this dynamic. And so how did you wake up? This is one of these, this is literally why I wrote the book, Radical Confidence, because the point was, is that girl, I spent eight years, what I call stuck. And I call it, I was in purgatory of the mundane. I didn't hit rock bottom. When you've hit rock rock bottom and you're like, there's nowhere else to go. Well, I may as well try for this. And in that effort to try, you then succeed. So many people I've interviewed were there. But for me, I never hit rock bottom. So I ended up spending eight years of my life in purgatory. My life was just mundane enough. I had a roof over my head. I had a husband that loved me. And so each day, because I wasn't in desperation, I was actually talking myself out of changing my life because I would say to myself, well, who do you think you are like being ungrateful for not having you know, a a career that you're excited about when you've got a roof over your head. And, you know, how ungrateful you, Lisa, that you're saying you don't want to put clothes out for your husband anymore. Because I literally spent eight years taking care of my husband. I was a supportive wife. I was putting his clothes out for him and putting his lunch and dinner out every single day. That was my purpose in life. Mm. And I started to feel like this wasn't the life I wanted. This was the life my parents told me I was going to have. This was the life my grandparents being Greek Orthodox told me I was going to have, but it wasn't the life I wanted. And every time that feeling of like, but this isn't the dream I had, I would convince myself, but you should be grateful that you have a husband that loves you. And this is where I kind of found myself in this place of gratitude is beautiful. When you have a slip into a victim mentality and you're like, why me? Being grateful is amazing. It really does highlight all the beautiful things that are happening in your life. But it Mm -hmm. also, for me, ended up keeping me stuck because I was so talking about how grateful I was. I ended up not saying, hang on a minute. Yes, you can be grateful for having a husband of your dreams. You can be grateful for having a beautiful home. And yet you can be totally, utterly miserable and want more in other parts of your life. And one doesn't dictate the other. And so that realization, girl, hit me like a freaking ton of bricks. And it was Quest that pulled me out of shaking me awake. Damn, that was awesome. I think that's so cool of you to say, because so many people, uh, you know, gratitude is everything and just practice that every day. And what an epiphany. Did the, was there a breaking moment or was this like a culmination of time that all of a sudden just made you turn around and go, 
In the heart of Napa Valley lays Somnium, which means to dream in Latin. The Somnium Vineyard Estate is an extension of the love and intensity that I pour into everything I do. To experience our wines, visit SomniumWine.com and use the code Somnium to receive a $10 flat shipping rate. Please drink responsibly. What the hell am I doing? Yeah, it's this is the thing. I wish it was a lightning rod moment. And I can say everyone at home that's listening, wait for this moment and you're good. The problem wasn't, it wasn't. And just like it was stepping stones, small little decisions that I made for eight years that kept Mm -hmm. me stuck. It ended up being small little decisions that ended up taking me into a life that I didn't realize was possible. And that's why I wrote the book is like, how do I break people of that notion of what is possible and what we have the right to ask for. And that was the thing I started to notice people saying, Lisa, I want, I want confidence like you. I want your confidence. And I'd be like, who are they talking to? I'm not confident. Like you should hear the voice in my head about telling me all the things that I'm bad at. I would look around like, oh, they think I'm confident. But what they just see is someone that moves forward. And they think it's confidence. They think I feel good about myself. And so if I can shake that feeling of confidence and help people pivot, it's not about feeling amazing all the time. It's about saying, I want confidence to do this. Find out what this is and now focus on that. So like for you, right? And not I want to like, you know, like put put myself in your position, but like I want to be the fastest, you know, race car driver in the world. It's like, okay, like that's the goal. Not, hey, I want confidence to get in the car. How do you take those steps? First of all, number one, again, I'm not going to pretend that I know, but number one is like get in the car and hold the steering wheel. Number two, go at 10 miles an hour. Number three, go at 50 miles an hour. (laughs) It becomes these stepping stones to get to that goal. But if all you're doing is looking at that audacious goal and saying, I want the confidence to do that, you don't get started. So the whole thinking to me is how do we start to step out of and back to your question of how did I end up making that pivot in my life? It was small little decisions that I'd made that I realized I'm stuck. And then this isn't the life I want. And that then led to, I just want to be happy. What does happy mean? I don't freaking know, but right now it isn't what we're doing. And that caused me to say, but what would happiness look like? And so I said to my husband, I don't care how much money we've made on paper at the time we were just chasing money. This was before Quest. He was working so many hours and he was coming home and he was really miserable. And so I said, I'm fed up with chasing money. I just want a happy husband. I want a happy relationship. What would that look like? And that started the catalyst of Tom going in and quitting his job. As he quit his job, his business partner said, oh my God, we're unhappy too. Let's actually sell the company and do something else. That notion then started, if we were doing something else, what would we enjoy doing? Let's try the protein bar company. That was the idea that came to it. And then Tom came home and he's like, babe, do you mind just helping out? Because I just thought that as long as I'm supporting my husband right now, that's my future. So when he said, we're starting a protein bar company because we're unhappy, will you help? I said, of course I'll help, babe. I'm a good Greek wife. <laughs> and so, But what we didn't expect is the company grew at 57,000%. I went from helping my husband out on the living room floor, shipping bars, weighing peanut butter on home scales. And we were renting a kitchen by the hour with like knives and rolling pins. 
to, you know, within two years, we had 10,000 square feet of space. I had 40 employees, you know, working just underneath me alone. Half of them had criminal backgrounds, but um, they were incredible people. But being five foot one, I had to every day basically show up to be like, you're going to let these people push you around or you're going to, you know, be able to lead. And that continuous facing myself every day, not knowing my, not having skills, learning every day, saying, okay, Lisa, you can go into this not knowing it and learn, or you can say, yeah, this is too scary. But if I don't do it, I lose my house because our house was up for collateral. So in that pressure, yeah, but in that (laughs) process, right, it didn't give me the luxury of saying, well, I don't know how to run a team. I don't even know how to, you know, um, to build a, a, a warehouse. I didn't give myself the luxury. And every time I didn't give myself the luxury and I found had an obstacle that I then figured out, it gave me that like validation within myself that for so many years I was searching for outside of myself. I was searching for my husband to come home every day and validate me because I gave, made nice dinner, right? I was waiting mm-hmm. for validation from my parents to tell me I was a good wife. I was waiting for validation from so many exter- external people or things that having that p- pivot, putting myself in these situations where I didn't think I was capable and then going, oh my God, I'm actually capable to figure it out, gave me that idea of what else am I capable of? And that was the thing of, I don't know what I'm capable of. I don't know where I'm going, but the idea that who I am today does not dictate who I can be tomorrow was so intoxicating that I was like, I need to do more of this. And that's where I started to pivot and say, what life do I actually want? And by golly, I'm going to freaking demand it of myself. Yeah. You and Tom are such like go-getters. You guys are crazy. Um, Cause I know he has so much of this in him too. Um, <clears throat> this feels like the book is called radical confidence, but this feels like a whole lot of radical honesty. It really is like thinking outside the box and being honest with yourself is 100% a massive key. And the reason why I called it radical confidence was going back to everyone was just it's like, oh, Lisa, how do you get your confidence? And I'm like, it's so not confidence. Like confidence is when you feel great and you've got swagger and you're like, yeah, I got this. I'm so far from that, Danica. I'm like, oh my God, Lisa, what on earth are you doing? You have the audacity to try writing a book. You've never bloody written a book before. But hey, you know what? I don't have the confidence, but I'm going to freaking figure it out. And I'm going to take all of my insecurities, all of my um, inadequacies, because I am inadequate to writing a book because I've never written a book before and Mm -hmm. give myself the grace to freaking learn and freaking stumble. And literally every time I fall on the floor, Lisa, you're going to give yourself the beauty and the grace to pick yourself up. That is radical confidence. That's going in, not pretending like you know everything, but saying I've got a tall belt. And I'm going to use whatever tool I need in this moment when I'm scared to move forward with radical confidence. Mm. And that is why I needed to write the book. And I treated it like each chapter is a tool or a skill set that you can cultivate in order to do this. I know that perception is something that you have talked about a lot being being really important. And as you're going through the way that you feel about something, whether if it's difficult, it it doesn't mean you're not acknowledging that it's difficult, but there's a whole lot of a perception shift on going instead of, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. I'm not capable of doing this. You say, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to figure it out. And I will, and I will get stronger as a result. And I'm wondering like when 
perception and perspective was something that entered your psyche. Maybe, and maybe it's in parallel with, with this lesson, but do you remember when that in particular came through for you to go like, Oh shit, if I just look at it like that, or maybe looking in hindsight going, I've done that a couple of times and it's like totally worked for me. Do you remember how you grew in that area of shifting your perspective? Yeah. I love this topic. There's so many, um, that there's there's two that really come to mind, one business and one personal. One of the biggest lessons I ever learned was a moment. So I've had massive gut issues, massive gut issues. So about mm. six years ago, it's been like 20 years of not having a good relationship with food, cutting out fat, getting sick a lot, taking too many antibiotics. So I've had a real struggle with my gut. And it got to the point where my gut felt like it erupted. That's the best explanation I can have. And when it when that happened, for about a year ago, I couldn't stand up for longer than five minutes at a time. I was 20 pounds lighter than you see me now. And um, now my hair was falling out. My nails were brittle. Um, I couldn't wear like a bra for six months. I mean, I was in agony constantly and I could barely eat anything. So I was completely malnutritioned. I, you know, mood swings, emotional, just because I couldn't eat. Six years ago, this happened. I'm still on the journey to recovery. I've identified a lot of issues. Um, but in saying all of that, just to give context to this story, so I'm in gut disarray on most days, but I don't tell people because I don't want to appear weak. I do my job. I've got a strong mindset, crush it, Lisa, and then feel weak when you're by yourself. Like that was my mentality. And so I, I'm on a photo shoot and it's in my house and it's a big day, all excited, um, got my hair, my makeup done. I'm on set. And all of a sudden my stomach starts to cramp and I'm like, Oh God, Oh God, is this about to happen? Like, am I about to like drop to my knees? Cause it was that painful sometimes. So I excused myself. I go upstairs and I actually drop to my knees and I'm like crutch, clutching my side and I'm breathing deeply. Now me and my husband have a rule in our relationship. If you need the other person, you can call them. Now I can ignore your first phone call. If I'm busy, I can actually ignore your second, your second phone call. If you call me three times in a row, it doesn't matter who you're with. If I'm interviewing Oprah, I literally would have to put down and go, sorry, Oprah, my husband's called me three times. It's an emergency. I've got to go. That's how like our rule is strict. And Love so I'm on, I'm on the floor. I call him the first time. He ignores me. I call him the second time. He ignores me. I call him the third time. He doesn't answer. And now I'm on the floor and I'm clutching my stomach. I've got a whole film sh- crew downstairs. And I'm like, Oh my God, I need my husband. I need my husband. What the hell am I going to do? How am I going to get up? I need my husband. I need my husband. And in that moment I was like, you don't need him. You want him. Mm. Lisa, get the F up because you're your own hero. You don't need someone to save you. You can freaking save yourself. Get up. I remember that so freaking clearly. And girl, I got up off the floor I took deep breaths and I finished off the day. Now that story stayed with me for six years because in that moment, going to perspective, I had a way of thinking, I need someone to come rescue me. And in that change of perspective where I said, Lisa, you are your own hero. You do not wait for someone to come and rescue you. You look at the problem and you handle it yourself. That's basically what the conclusion was. And from that day on, anytime I struggle, I go, are you looking outside yourself or or are you your own freaking hero? Like answer that honestly, because if you're your own hero, what on earth are you going 
going to do to get yourself out of it. Put on your damn cape and start flexing and show what you're made of. And that perspective changed everything. In business, it's all my fault. It's the language I like to use because it stings. If a business, something goes wrong, Lisa, it's all your fault. What would you do differently? If something's wrong in my relationship, Lisa, assume it's all your fault. Don't look at your husband because then I can actually make the change. I can take the power back. Now, look, that's not actually saying sometimes it always is your fault. Of course it's not. But that perspective, that freaking ownership, that yeah. mindset of if it's all on you, what are you going to do differently changed my life. Well, you're not off base because I have a saying that's very similar where I say your life is your fault. But that includes everything. Being the hero, being your own victim, achieving greatness, failing miserably, like feeling sad, feeling really ecstatic, like it's all your fault. How do you find people when you say that? Do people push back on you? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like it doesn't get a lot of reaction because I think it provokes a lot of thought. Mm. You know, when you say your life is your fault, you're like, first off, it sounds negative. So you go, hmm. And then you go, it's kind of like, what do you mean? It's like, I mean, Mm -hmm. everything. I mean, everything. (laughs) And that's kind of it's, um, it's almost as hard to acknowledge the good as it is the bad sometimes. You know, when people were telling you, when you were pushing through, you're so strong and you're so confident. I'm going to tell you that they were just mirroring that you were Mm. now. They didn't know your true total reality and they didn't know your weaker moments, but you were confident and strong when you went to work and pushed through like they were showing you, you. And in fact, the, our life is always showing us uh, who we are. I actually do get sometimes pushback on the word fault because the discussion becomes, and I actually understand it, but it's like, well, aren't you um, blaming people? It's like victimization. And I really sat with that because I do like to evolve. And so I sat with it and I was like, it doesn't feel true to me, but if multiple people are saying it, I need to listen. It, the word fault works for me because it does like sting. It actually does mm-hmm. trigger me. It's like all oh, my fault, but it, creates an activation in me. And that's what I love. And I think that's the key is like, guys, don't get freaking caught up in the word. If all actually triggers you negatively, don't use it, but use the word that impacts you enough to act. And that word fault, that's why I love it. Because every time I say, Lisa, it's your fault, it does sting. And yeah. that sting creates that, well, shit, I don't want to feel like that again. So I better do something differently. You, t- you talked about it a little bit with that story. And wait, before we go, there was a, was there a two stories? You said there was a personal ah. one and then the other one. So this is a business one where we it's quite, early days three of us that we've hired and then the us the rest is just like us and them who own the company and so we hire we're doing a production line a production run so we've got peanut butter bar that we're making and then a mixed berry bar and then like the lemon bar one of the guys comes into the office and he's got like this ghostly look on his face and we're like what's wrong and he's like oh my god I'm so sorry I'm so sorry now I'm a panicker so I start panicking so I'm like oh my god what's what's wrong and he's like I've just messed up a batch of bars now in these early days a batch of bars is five thousand dollars which at that point is like make or break for your business so I'm panicking the guy thinks he's about to get fired my husband, very like my husband being a very calm, cool guy, he's like, Well, before you panic, babe, let's just get up and like see what we've got. So we walk in, the guy's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was making the peanut butter batch and I get the peanut butter flour. I get the peanut butter protein powder. I get the peanuts. And he's like, And then I get the mixed berry flavoring. And he's like, And I put the wrong flavoring from the next flavor into the current bar. We're like, oh no. And Tom's like, before everyone panics, let's just try. And I'm like, babe, what, like, what the hell are we going to do? 
and we all take a bite and we hold our breath. And someone's like, you know what? It tastes like PB&J. And in that moment, when we were about to lose $5,000, trash product that we thought could potentially take us bankrupt, we saw an opportunity. <sighs> so, we, so we wrap them and we're like, guys, here's a new prototype, PB&J. Yeah, we wrap it in like the, the clear wrappers. So it's got like no descript thing oh, on wow. it. We get blank boxes. We print out on my Staples printer the peanut butter nutritional information because the nutritional information was still the same because the only thing that changed was the flavoring. So we print it out on my printer. We put it in these 200 boxes. We make this big announcement on Facebook at the time saying limited edition prototype, only 200 boxes. Girl, they freaking sold out like that. Ah! Then a couple of days later, people started posting on Facebook how much they loved the, the flavor. And so now all the people that didn't even get a chance to buy it started really having major FOMO. They start freaking out saying, hang on a minute, I want to try this new PB&J flavor. What, you know, how come I didn't get a, a chance to buy one? And now, before you know it, within a month, we get designs made, wrappers made, and it becomes our number one pro uh, selling protein bar on the market at the time. Come and on. That is how you have a massive mistake and a massive failure and see it as the most beautiful opportunity. Wow. And that is a shift in perspective. Wow. That's a great story for sure. For sure. <laughs> um, okay. I was going to ask you about your health stuff because I am very curious because I think it's, Please, yeah. you know, it's, it's an, I think it's something that speaks to a lot of people. I personally have been going through my own stuff in the last year and it's very frustrating, oh. not nearly to the point that probably what you're talking about that you are, but, but actually I think what you just said in working with Tom and that I'm really curious about working with your husband and like, you guys talk so much about relationship stuff and it's really good stuff. Like, I mean, I read all your like boards that you make and write your bullet points on it. And I'm like, yes, that's so good. Like how the heck, if anybody doesn't follow you guys, they should, because you guys are so open and you share so much and you have such good information. So how the, I mean, how long have you guys been married now? We're about to celebrate our 20 year wedding anniversary. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. I have the confidence you're going to make it there. Um, <laughs> That's how did you, yeah, I'm sure. Um, how did you get to that point? Like share some relationship advice, maybe. What, yeah. where did, how do you guys get to the point where you can even like, even just the fact that you have like a three call rule? Like, I don't know if my relationships, I've barely ever had rules of any kind. Like, I don't know. Go, <laughs> we have you know? so many rules. It is like, it's comical, but it's been so important to our relationship because of that reason right because you don't think the same you don't act the same so let's say for me I really need like it's an emergency but his version of emergency is very different to my version of emergency yes. so let's say I feel like it's an emergency he doesn't and now what happens I think he's being dismissive but he sure. just doesn't have the same foundation of what an emergency means to him. So we have not only those rules, but language. If I use the word important, like if he literally walked in right now as we're doing this interview and I said, babe, I need to speak to you as important. He would drop everything's like, what do you need? Because I use the word important, that specific word, maybe three times a year, maybe. Wow. But we've defined what that For word sure. important means. So we've got like these like dictionary definitions of when I say important, it means that I don't BS. And 
in 20, in our relationship in 22 years, only once has the word important clashed with each other. So I've said one thing is important to me. And then he said, it's important as well. Only once. That's how like we provide that word. So if he says it and I'm like, yeah, it's not important. Okay. You, you know, it's for you. Okay. What do we need to do? Um, only once in 22 years, we've clashed over the word important. Um, rules about, um, who's, who's re- the responsible party to wave the flag when we're no longer that really intimate connection, you know, like relationships all ebb and flow. Sure. They do. It's all natural, but you need someone in the party who is the responsible party that says, Hey, when I speak up and I say this, it means that we both have to pay attention because I'm the one that notices it first. So for instance, Tom can go longer without having date night than I can. And so, but he normally, if I don't speak up, when he notices, that's when we start to argue and start to notice friction. So we've realized, oh, Lisa actually is better at identifying it because when I wave the flag, we actually get to the point where we reconnect before we start bickering. Amazing. So now what we do is we just decide, but we decide together so that when I do wave the flag, he doesn't turn around going, you're just being needy, right? He's like, oh, yep. She's waved the flag. We've agreed. When she says this word, it means drop everything. We have to spend time together. So it's having these like really like this rule book. And then we ask each other hard questions because we really want our relationship together is our number one priority. So for instance, if I tell him something that he doesn't want to hear, but he knows my priority is our relationship, he's going to listen. But when you know Someone's saying something to you, but really your goal is the same, then they have your interest at heart as well. So when he comes to me and tells me things of, hey, when you do this, it affects our relationship. Because I know his number one North Star is have a wonderful relationship with me. I know he's coming from purity. Now, look, that takes years to prove over and over again. It takes moments of, I tell him something that is very, um, let's say very vulnerable. Like I expose my trigger to him, let's say, and it's something that's so personal to me. And I've only ever told him in moments of massive fights in arguments, does he use it against you? Yes or no. Those are the, do you use it against them? Even when it's easy for them to do it, do they do it? And that starts to show character. And in those moments where you get tested, where things get hard, Who are you and who is your character? And for instance, in the last 20 years, when people say, oh my God, you're so lucky. How do you guys, you know, stay around? And I was like, look, if I was married to someone else, I don't know if I'd still be married. If he was married to someone else, I don't know if he'd still be married because it's when the hard times come that test you. So for instance, when I married my husband, I told him, babe, I want four children. That was my dream. I want four kids. I want a big Greek family. Now, flash forward, seven, uh, nine years, I start a quest. I find myself, I love entrepreneurship. And I turn around to him and I say, Hey baby, you know, for eight years, I've taken care of every single thing you've ever needed on a personal front. You know how I said, I want four children. Well, now I don't want to put out any clothes for you. I never want to cook for you again. I want to be an entrepreneur and I don't want any children. In those moments. Yeah. In those moments, so it becomes a how did I handle it and how did we communicate through it and how did we get through to the other end? Because with a different person, with different communication skills, 
it would have been like, well, screw you. You're changing the game. You told me you wanted four children. You know, you're, you're changing. It's not me. You either stick to your, you know, what you promised you would be, or I want a divorce, right? Or there's another scenario Well, I don't say that. And now I stay at home for the next 20 years more because I'm miserable. But I know if I say something, I'm going to lose my husband. So there's so many scenarios. But in those situations, me and my husband, we tested. We didn't mean to, right? But we tested ourselves. And so I went into it saying, I recognize I'm the one changing. I recognize I'm the one saying, hey, I no longer want to do this. Mm-hmm. So how do I approach him with grace and show him that I recognize it? Because you know what it's like when someone comes in and they like pretend like, I don't understand. What, what's your problem? Like, why can't you just accept it? Now you're like, they don't even give me the, the beauty or the grace to say, yes, I am willing to adapt. Like people, yeah. you kind of want the pat on the back of being like, this is difficult, but I'm still willing to do it. I'm yeah. robbing him of that. If I yeah. just come in and say, well, babe, you're going to have to accept that this is who I am. So true. I didn't think that was true. fair. So don't rob them of what the change. So I went in saying, babe, I recognize I'm changing. I recognize that this is going to take time. I recognize that we are playing a game of tennis, but we're on the same side. And so as my partner, you know, when you like hit the ball and then your, your, your partner has it because you've missed it. That's yeah. me and my husband. And that's who we've agreed to be. So I'm like, babe, right now I'm missing the ball. Like I'm really struggling with the life that I have. And I, you know, wasn't this eloquent, but I'm like tra- kind of translating. And so as my partner, I need you to help me win the game. And right now I'm sh- struggling. So how do we win the game together? And so now he feels like I'm turning to him as a partner. Yeah, and men I, need to be needed. Yes. I mean, so do we, right? So, so it's, women, yeah, like we feel good about it. And I didn't want to rob him of that. It's like, look, I do need help. I need help with transitioning from this stay-at-home wife of eight years. Now I'm literally telling you, I don't want to put your clothes out. But babe, I don't want it to be you to think it's a reflection of how much I love you. So we had to talk through that. It's like, this is why I don't want to do it because it makes me profoundly unhappy. Mm-hmm. But it's got nothing to do with you. And to show that it's got nothing to do with you, let's come up with a plan together on how we work through this transition. And so I joked, but I was like, it's kind of like I'm weaning him off. And so I was like, all right, babe, for now, I put clothes out and cook for you seven days a week, but let's wean you off. I'll do it for six days a week. <laughs> and then I'll do it for five days a week. And then I'll do it for four because I recognize I'm changing. And so how do we do it together? How do I show you respect that I is going to have to be a process? It's not like, hey, you know, um, MF, you're going to have to just deal with it, right? It's showing them respect that you're giving them a chance to transition slowly. And Mm. then why we're doing it. This is the most beautiful thing I've ever done. And I didn't think, babe, that being an entrepreneur and trying these skills and creating impact was a life that I would have. But now that I do, I've never felt more alive than I do now. And I want your help to help fan these flames. You said why, and knowing your why is also something you've mentioned before. Yeah. Right. Cause that's nope. such an anchor, right? A hundred percent. So what are your whys for everything, right? Why for why in your, why your relationship with Tom, why, mm-hmm. why your show women of impact, why the new book, like what are your buckets of whys? Yeah. Having the why though has changed everything because I have such a negative voice. I don't know if you do. And I'm really curious to know. I actually do. I have a fairly negative voice. I'm pretty self-critical. 
I'm actually really positive for a lot for most everything else and very at a girl and very mm. um, encouraging, but my own self-talk is kind of shit. Yeah. What do you do when that happens? Well, sometimes you just do it and you live with what it feels like. Cause that's just the point, right? Um, sometimes it motivates me to do things, um, to be more motivated to, you know, schedule some more meetings and plan some more things and get more organized, or maybe it's, uh, to work out, or maybe it's to stay on my diet or whatever it may be. It's like, there's always, there's sometimes it can be motivating. Um, but other times it can just get exhausting. And I think in those times where you just kind of are like over yourself almost and the whole thing, you just got to flip it and you just got to put some perspective on it and be like, it doesn't really matter. And also I think it's really powerful to shift it and flip it. Like if the things that you're worrying about were someone else's, how would you like flip it? What would you be thinking about them? And a lot of times you'd be like nothing, like they'd be great. I wouldn't have a negative thing. Like you'd, you'd be, you'd be like, that's such a small problem or no one even notices. And so flipping it kind of gives some perspective. Even the things that you just said and giving very like tactical tools, like I'll go work out, I'll go do this because that's the point is that sometimes I can't get out of my own head. And the voice is so loud that like, I can't turn her down. I call her the bitch in my head. Like I can't turn her down. I can't turn her out. She's so freaking loud. Mm -hmm. And so in those moments, what are the things that I go to? What tools do I use to shut her out? So working out is a massive thing for me, lifting weights. Um, but I know, also girl, have- show me that bicep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but having the why, the why is huge for me because I use it as a way with no judgment. And I use that word a lot with no judgment of what's more important. So let's say, for instance, I'm really feeling insecure about myself and I'm about to try something new. And it's got like, like, who do you think you are, Lisa? You're going to be terrible. Like you're going to bomb. You're going to embarrass yourself. Like people are going to say, I can't believe like Tom was great at this, but can you believe Lisa, how bad she was, right? Like that's the voice that's going in my head. And I actually don't judge myself for it. And I'm like, okay, that's the voice. But if you listen to her, this is the impact you're not going to create. But if you don't listen to her and you follow your why, what can you do? So when I think about my why being, let's say, the 14-year-old girl who I honestly, when I think about my why, like the the super, like my freaking North Star, it is creating content for 14-year-old girls to believe in them, to make them believe in themselves. They don't spend the next 20 years unwiring the negative mindset I've had to unwire. So in moments where I'm fearful of like writing a book or in moments where I'm like stepping in front of the camera and I'm so freaking embarrassed and like, I can't believe the, you know, the the imposter syndrome comes in going, Lisa, you know, you in front of the camera, who do you think you are? I just say with no judgment, would you rather be completely insecure and create impact on that 14 year old girl? Or would you rather protect your ego and not do it? And Mm. now in moments like that, don't judge yourself, just decide. Yeah, that's and so it's, great. And it's okay, right? Like it's who, who should be, who on earth can judge me or should judge me? No one. If I decide, look, right now, if I do this, my ego would be so hurt. It's not the life I want. It's my freaking life. I can do what I want. Yeah. But if I decide and I do time and time again, that I want to be a little uncomfortable because that 14 year old needs me. You better believe I'm going to keep moving forward. So back to your point of the why it's so important 
important to know exactly what is pulling at your heartstrings. Like be so succinct in that mission so that when you face yourself time and time again, when you really feel inadequate, you've got that thing that you can go to. Is so what is your why to our like define it simply? And maybe you have multiple. Is it just one why or? Yeah. So it's one central why. So it really is to create content that impacts 14 year old girls to believe in themselves so that they don't spend the next 20 years having to unwire the negative mindset. So the reason why I have it so succinct is I need to know my why, the what and the who. So I need to know why I'm doing it. I'm doing it to prevent 14 year old girls. Actually, I should back up the who. 14-year-old girls, the what, creating content. Because there's so many things we could do, right? It's like I could um, donate my time and, um, you know, help a school of female girls. It's like there's so many different ways that I can create impact, but I need to know how. So for me, my background's filmmaking. So it's the content. It's the who, the 14-year-old girl, because the age of imprint is between like uh, 12 to 15 of where we are shaped to be basically who we are for the rest of our lives. Now, look, we're very malleable. So 50% of our brain, we can be malleable as we get older, like the things that we're talking about now. But when it comes to a foundation of who we are, that gets shaped between 11 and 15 years old. (laughs) So if I can impact culture and impact the way young girls feel about themselves with the content that is out there. So that's movies, animation, TV shows, music, all of these type books, all of these types of things that if I can impact culture to a girl that is at that age where now they're wiring their mindset to actually believe in themselves. Now, all this stuff we do as adults, we're like, I can retire. I don't have to do content based on adults and how we unwire because now we've impacted all the young girls that are already like building that foundation of believing in themselves from the get-go. That's a big role. That's a big role to fill. I feel like in this day and age, especially with how challenging social media is and entertainment and algorithms. And mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's like, it's like a, it's a shark's it's, it's shark infested waters, especially yeah. for women, men are men too. But I think women, especially there's, there's something different about it. Why do you think women is harder? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that you think this, it's maybe harder for women than men. So Social to do pressures. what specifically? Um, Social so- pressures. Yeah, I do think, yeah, I 100% do agree with that. Um, I think that it's definitely changing as well. Um, I think so much of it is cultural. So much of it is social. So like, for instance, me, I didn't grow up, I'm 42. So I didn't grow up with social media, but cultural pressure of being Greek Orthodox and being told subliminally all along the way as I was growing up that I would end up being a stay-at-home wife um was exactly how I ended up I think being a stay-at-home wife because I didn't question it so that is like I think the biggest fear of what are the messages that we're um that we believe so ingrained in us that we don't even question like I I remember and I'd love to hear from you entering such a male dominant you know uh, world where actually now I hear a lot of women say oh a lot of companies now need more women so they're actually being sought after more but i can only imagine based when you started like that was not the case at all you were like groundbreaking smashing through barriers of what it was possible for women to do yeah. um probably part of the help for me was that my dad 
my mom and dad, my dad, especially there was never a talk about being a girl or different. Mm. Like it, it was obvious, but it wasn't obvious if that makes sense. It wasn't until I started at 10. It wasn't until 14 when I started to be featured in TV shows and cameras were coming to school and the track that I started to even think about really being a girl that much. Mm, Wow. That's fascinating. You're right. Your environment matters. So my environment was not about being the fastest girl or well, you're doing pretty good for a girl. It was like, how do you be the best driver period? Right. And not even the best driver, but how do you be your best? Because like being a half a second quicker than everybody was still not enough if I could go faster. Does that make sense? So it's like my threshold, not even, not even against the, just the guys or just the girls or just the guys. It was against myself. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably why very much my feel like my purpose now is to help people understand um, how much potential they hold within themselves. Yes. And that's so powerful. I wonder if how much has contributed to your success. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Just because I didn't have the perception of being different. It was never phrased as being different. And so, you know, you sharing your story about just what a woman's supposed to do and how their life is supposed to go. And, you know, that framed your reality. And the fact that my reality was framed around being not only the fastest driver, but even, you know, as fast as I could humanly go, that was my mindset was how do I be the fastest period? And so, yeah, I'm sure that played a huge role. I I really do. Um, One area I'm curious about because I, I'm, again, I shared a little bit, I'm, that I'm kind of in a little bit of it as well, but you know, with health struggles, how did you deal with that mentally? Because I mean, that can be, I mean, I mean, again, I don't think I'm dealing with half of your stuff by any means, but you know, it's perpetuating it's day after day. It's how you feel. It's testing, it's trials of things. It's, you know, modalities to try and help things. I mean, it's like quite endless and it can be kind of exhausting and consuming and have its own perpetuating cycle of feeling like, oh, you know, poor me, something's wrong with me. And that kind of is a very, very, very repetitive narrative. So we'll share whatever you're willing to share about that because you're not alone in that in dealing with things. I think a lot of women push things under the rug, but maybe sharing what you went through and then how you dealt with it because you really are like superwoman now. Um, Thank you. I don't know how much you're willing to share on this, but obviously anything I can do that maybe, you know, advice if I've been through can help please do let me know and this is one of my missions because it changed my life and so when I think about um how do we or how do I help people not get there in the first place and what are the things because everything became in hindsight um one of the things actually in just the healing process is I going back to ownership I was waiting for a doctor to fix me Mm -hmm. so when it happened first of all I was like okay what's the right pill I have to take and hey doctor what's wrong right and you literally go to the doctor and you're like okay this is this doctor came recommended and this person has a special degree and they've got famous people on their wall and you convince yourself that an expert quote unquote is going to help fix you and every time I went there I had hope and every time I left I had zero hope yeah and but it was the hope I was chasing really in hindsight, right? So I think I just kept going to the doctor being like, okay, well, this one's going to this one's gonna fix me. And eventually what I ended up realizing was I was actually giving my power away. So by looking outside of myself, by looking to a doctor to say, hey, can you um, fix me? 
I was giving it away. Now, I didn't come to that conclusion, though, until I realized I'd actually all the things that went wrong with my own health were due to me. So once I started to process and I looked back, why did I get so sick? Mm. I was like, you know know what I took a lot of antibiotics like a lot it got to the point where I was on antibiotics like four times a year or five times a year because I was getting so sick all the time so originally I was blaming the doctors well he shouldn't have given me that many antibiotics mm-hmm. and after a while after two years of literally just searching for someone to help and save me once I realized I saved myself I literally was like hang on a minute I keep saying they gave me antibiotics but I swallowed them (laughs) every time a doctor said, yeah, right. It's like every time a doctor kept saying, you know, I probably shouldn't give you this many antibiotics. Not once did I say, why not? And not once did I go home and Google what does taking too many antibiotics lead to? And so once I started to realize that by telling, saying that it was there for, I was now giving the power away. Once I switched it, and said, this is all my fault. And if it was my fault, now I can fix it. And what does fixing look like? I stopped turning to doctors. I acknowledged that I had done it to myself, that I was ignoring the flags. You even said, right, we push it under the rug. I now had to stop and pause and say, "What, what was I actually pushing under the rug? What did that look like? Okay, when I had this pain, I did this. Okay, did that serve me? Right. Like when I was, you know, on the floor holding my gut, I sucked it up and went to another four hours of a photo shoot. All right. Well, did that serve me? Yes or no? No, that didn't serve me. Okay. So next time, Lisa, next time you fall on the floor, you're going to say, I'm taking the rest of the day off. Right. Like coming up with rules that when this happens, because you've already been there and you have control and you're the one that is going to heal yourself because it is all your fault, (laughs) you have to come up with a game plan. And so with no judgment, I replayed all the red flags that happened. I started to say, when this flag happens, I'm going to do this. When I wake up tired, I'm going to do this. When I get a stomach cramp, I'm going to do this. And I took ownership. And that meant I got an aura ring because I was waking up tired all the time. And I'm like, I'm sleeping like nine hours. Why am I tired all the time? So I wore an aura ring. I wore a continuous glucose monitor oh, yeah. and I started to assess. I started to write down, I'd go to bed at nine o'clock in the evening. I would wake up according to my aura ring at 2 a.m. And according to my glucose monitor, I would actually crash at around 1.50. Oh, oh, hypoglycemia. Is there a correlation between my blood sugars and how much I sleep? How was I feeling the next day? I felt exhausted. All right, what time did I eat dinner? Well, you ate dinner at 8 p.m. Okay, I went to bed at nine. What if I ate two hours in between? What if I ate three hours in between? What if I went keto? Like I literally tried everything and I wrote everything down. And then I went and said, you know, when you say trust your gut, it's like how many of us ignore our gut? Oh, all of us many times. I mean, most of the time. Yes. I mean, but ask anyone how many times your gut was wrong and they'll be like, um, it's never been wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, because the problem is, is that we don't want to hear it when it's bad. We don't want to hear it when it's like, don't do that. 
We don't want to hear it when it's like, mm, you know, you should probably get out of that relationship. You know, we don't want to hear it when you shouldn't be treated like that. We don't want to hear it when you better try that. We, we just want to hear the, oh, look, there's a butterfly. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you're doing great. This is a 11-11 sign. Yeah. We don't want, we, we don't want to hear the bad stuff. But because there. it's because you have to face it, right? And look, facing it sometimes really freaking sucks. Mm-hmm. Like facing the hard truth. That's why I wrote the chapter, like open up the can of worms and embrace the ick. It's like sometimes open up the can of worms only leads to horrible worms. And you're like, I don't want to deal with worms. So let me just not open it, right? Like, and I equate it to the hard questions. What am I happy? Do I actually want to be in this relationship? Because to your point, what if the answer is no? And now if you're married, what if you've got kids and your answer is actually, I'm not happy in this relationship. Now you have to say, well, do I have to go to therapy? Do I, you know, I have to tell them, do they want to go to therapy? What if we go to therapy and it doesn't work? What if, what if you find out that they've cheated on me? Can I forgive them? Does that mean we have to get a divorce? I mean, we have to sell the house. Who gets the kids? What happens at Christmas? Right? Like, yes. Right. What if I can't find anyone after that? Because now they've actually seen the truth, right? There's so many things that come with it that I get why it ends up where we don't want to even ask the freaking question in the first place because it becomes easier. Now, I don't know about you, but not once I've had so many therapists on my show. Not one relationship therapist has ever said that someone comes in and was like, I didn't even realize this was over until today. Most of the time, <clears throat> they come in like I knew this marriage was over five years ago. Yeah, how often? But we we try, and it's like it's actually a beautiful thing about us as humans. We try to make something work, and it's like, but only if it's the same with the health. It's like, oh well, this will be fine in a week. No, you'll be fine. To actually ask myself, what would life look like, Lisa, if you were, had gut issues for the rest of your life is too much of a big, audacious question to ask. I can't even comprehend what my life would look like. Now, remember, I said at the beginning, girl, I started this. I'm six years in. I thought it was going to be a week. Oh, God, I hear. I mean, I hear you. My like stuff started with, oh, it's your thyroid. And I'm like, oh, great. I'll just take this pill and everything will be perfect. Mm-hmm. And that was a year ago. And that's like trivial compared to you know, the point that I'm at now. And so what happened then when you start writing everything down, you're tracking everything, you you talked about opening up that can of worms, like, yeah, did you have to face something that you didn't want to face? So I had to to yet. (laughs) Um, It wasn't that I wasn't ready to, but it was the, it was what I kind of known all along. So it was like, I hadn't had a period in so many years. And so I was like, guys, this doesn't quite match. Like I was going, I'm like, does does my hormones got anything to do with my gut? And they're like, no, of course it doesn't. It's that's like, but now, this was six years ago. We've learned so much since then as well. Yeah. You can imagine. Like, I'm oh, going, yeah. going, but guys, it, it seems weird. I haven't had a period. Like, surely. Yeah. And But doctors are like, no, no, no. So I went in after eventually I'd owned, okay, Lisa, if this was all your fault, what do you have to do? I went in and got my own blood work done. I went yep. in and got my own hormones checks. I went into a um, gastroenterologist and yeah. um, not gastroenterologist, a gynecologist, sorry. Uh-huh. And when they like, huh. This is one of the most horrifying stories. So I go in there, haven't had my period in years. I go, I'm thinking, okay, you know, it's, um, I'm sure it's got to do with my health. I'm underweight. Like they're going to tell me like all this diet, blah, blah, blah. So I go in and they go, she comes in with her little clipboard and she goes, oh, it looks like actually you've got PCOS, like polycystic oh. ovary syndrome. And I'm like, oh my God, do I? She goes, yeah. Oh, 
oh, but it looks, it says here that you don't want children. I was like, no, I don't. She goes, oh, then you're fine. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, excuse me? She goes, well, if you don't want children, you're fine. I'm like, I'm sorry. Because I don't want kids, it's okay to leave cysts on my ovaries. Like, right. it was so horrifying. And at the same time, so enlightening to how people think. Yeah, all right. And instead of getting angry at that point, I was like, yeah, that's about right. That's, that's how other people think. And instead of getting annoyed at them, go, Lisa, this is your life. You're taking ownership over it. Don't settle for that doctor going, then you're fine. Don't settle for what they were going to do because that's what she would do. That's why she's telling you that. It's something like I had a specialist, a hormone specialist, and something like it takes eight diagnoses for a woman's hormones for them to actually be accurate. It's something crazy like that. Oh, my God. Like it's something like on the eighth doctor, they actually get it somewhat accurate on women's hormones. that's crazy. crazy. I mean, I, I, I went in for the, that the reason why I went in the doctor last year was for the same reason. I had plenty of other red flags and symptoms and signs, but it was losing my cycle. And I was like, all right, this is probably bad. You, you get those indicators along the way that were like, shoot, this isn't right. And it's a matter of dealing with them. So what, I mean, in the end, what, what, yeah. what, was, the, what was the big lesson in it? The lesson was that it's an evolution. And um, every step was a focus of how do I get progressively better versus how do I get completely well? And even when I think about business and I think about everything I do, that really is the goal. Like, what what am I trying to build? What is that skill set that I can incrementally get better every day? To your point earlier about you being your own competition, right? It's like, okay, what what number? How fast was I yesterday? And how fast can I get be today? Um, as well as having that big audacious dream of like, I'm going to get the World Cup or whatever the, the cup is, um, you know. And so that's kind of. I have the big audacious dream of one day, Lisa, you will be perfect. But today, instead of being like putting so much weight and pressure over, oh my God, I can't believe I'm not there yet. It's like, what's that thing I'm going to do today? So it was things like, it takes three hours for your body to completely digest your food. So for an entire year, you think I'm joking, but to the minute for the entire year, I didn't go to bed once with three less than three hours from eating eating and going to bed so if tom and i oh infinitely overnight girl when i'm telling you take your last from your last swallow so it would be from the last swallow i would take ownership i would look at the time and go oh crap it's 7 p.m i now have to stay up till 10 p.m now look i'm very strict on myself i go to bed at 9 p.m so if my food got off I would still stick to the fact that I cannot go to bed with a full stomach. I must go to bed with an empty stomach. So it was go to bed with an empty stomach for three hours. Then start trying foods. I don't care what the doctors say. I don't care what studies say. I don't care what all the specialists say. Start eating food and take a journal of how you feel, Lisa. And what I realized was that raw food was wrecking my gut. If Mm -hmm. I ate fatty beef, I felt like I was on cloud nine. Now I did an allergy test and guess what the allergy test told me I was allergic to? Beef. And what do you think I did, girl, for a week? I stopped eating beef, even though I I felt like, but it feels really good because a doctor told me, I was like, oh, well, the doctor knows best. And that was where after I realized, start listening to yourself. That's when I'm like, screw the doctors. I'm going to go on a purely beef diet and see how I feel. I did that for a while. 
out. I realized I was feeling much better. I realized I couldn't sustain it though. I needed some form of vegetables. I went and got my blood work done. I then went to a holistic doctor who then was able to help me work through all my levels and go, okay, I was low. I was deficient in vitamin C. I was deficient in vitamin B. Um, I had leaky gut. So I started to drink like this leaky gut liquid consistently, even to the point where if I was traveling, I would have these little travel bottles of my (laughs) leaky gut liquid because I take full ownership. And there wasn't one day that I missed. I didn't use the excuse of, oh, but I'm traveling and I can't take liquid on the plane. No, no. I got one of those little travel things and I stuck to my regimen and I had these little supplements and I wish I had one here to show you. I have these little baggies. They're all done pre in advance. So I've got no excuse. There's one that says AM. There's one that says PM. And I will be literally sitting in meetings. It doesn't matter who I'm with. Literally doesn't matter who I'm with. If it's time for me to take my supplements, I'll sit here with my little baggie and I'll drink my supplements. And that is where I go to listening to the doctor, waiting to be saved, waiting to be fixed. And then flipping my perspective and saying, I'm going to take full ownership. What does that look like? What does no excuses look like? Where do I want to be in a year? And who am I going to be turning to? And it's me. And if I'm not here to actually fulfill the promise I've made myself, then who else can I rely on? No one. If you can't fight for your own freaking goals, no one's going to fight for them. So in that moment of me being trying to be healthy or like trying to figure it out, out and you're going to parties and I'm traveling and my old mindset was like, oh, I can't go out. I can't do this. You know, I can't. I just said, no, no, Lisa, you can. You just choose not to. Mm. And that flip, that perspective Mm. um, changed everything. So if whatever issues you're going through, obviously, A, however I can help, but then also give yourself the grace that it's stepping stones. And that really today What are you going to do today that can help you for tomorrow? And if you end up taking steps back, because sometimes you have a goal and sometimes like for this book tour, right? It's like, there's a lot more work and I'm putting in a lot more hours. And so I have a plan where I say, no matter what I draw. So I use my creativity. I draw on Saturday mornings and no matter what happens, I won't let anyone I'm try to get good with my boundaries. I, I put very strict boundaries. I switch my phone off. No one can call me on Saturday morning and reach me because I'm drawing. And you're that is an a- incredible artist, by the oh, way. You have something to hold up to show people what you can do. Uh, you're ridiculously I, talented. I do have in another room. I can always run and go get my, my current work of art. Oh um, my actually, gosh. I have it on my phone. Well, people can find it on the on social. I'm Thank sure you, girl. it's so incredible. Um, yeah, that's so good to have I'm boundaries. Working. What? Oh, yeah. I mean, look at you. That's insane, girl. That's I mean, that's now. crazy. Whether it's a morning, a couple of hours, one hour, but I'm telling you, anyone that has health issues, anyone that's listening, do whatever you can to completely shut the world out and do something that is just for you. Whether yeah. it's drawing, taking a bath, reading the magazine, like, but it has to be specific time that you've set aside that you're telling people I am not available to you Mm. and you have to demand that of yourself and put that boundary up because again if you're not willing to do that for yourself no one else is going to you interview so many amazing women in your show women of impact so like what are some high points of things that you've learned from so many amazing women over the Mm. last how long has the show been going on now about three give me some give me some nuggets all right. Um, nuggets. So first of all, by the way, I'm just going to put you on the spot, but homie, I'd have 
be on in a freaking second, by the way. I would love to. um, Let's make that happen, please. (laughs) In a heartbeat. I was like, while I'm on her podcast, I'm going to corner her. Um (laughs) (laughs) Good. I was like, does she want me on her show or not? It's okay. Oh my God, in a heartbeat. The funny thing is I was so jealous when you went on Tom's show. I was like, I want her. Um, (laughs) But I knew, and this is part of my personality that I actually lean, lean into more. And I talk about in the, in the book, be so good, they cannot ignore you. And so I've got a list of people that I've wanted on my show. And it's like, I know when the right, I have to be so good that when I reach out, I don't get a no. Um, And it's, (laughs) and it's very empowering for me though. It like going back to actually what you said earlier about yourself and the whole kind of theme that I feel like we've accidentally slipped into here is like, be your own competition. So it's like, Oh, well, who was I yesterday? How do I beat myself yesterday and show up to be better so that when I do reach out, people want to come on the show. But, um, but that's actually a lesson that I've kind of learned with all the guests that I've had on the show is that not one of the per- not one person, and I'm going to lean into the mic here, not one incredible woman that I've had on the show is perfect. Mm. Not one of them. And that's amazing. Thank God. Yeah, no kidding, right? But they're not, not one person. And I've had so many incredible women. And the hope of why I say that is who the hell do you want to be? And how the hell do you get there and show up every day? And that's everything that the women I've interviewed, they didn't, they weren't born great, but one of them. Yeah. Like every time it's, oh, what did you learn? Oh, you fell on your face. Oh, you're really bad at that. Oh, yes. It's comical how often people say that from therapists, you know, oh, yeah. one of like the most incredible therapists, Nicola Perish. She's just like, oh my God, you know, yeah, yeah I, I went through my own mess in order to, be a therapist and learn. Totally. I couldn't keep up on the parade laps when I was racing. And the parade laps are the ones where you go real slow and you just are in formation. Couldn't keep up on those laps. What does that mean exactly? Say that again. So when you um, are in order of how you're supposed to start the race from Mm -hmm. qualifying there, you get in, you line up, it's like two by two all the way back and you go really slow and stay in formation in that two by two until the green flag drops. And then you go as hard as you can. And on those slow little laps, I couldn't keep up. Hmm. Right. So it shows that. And, you know, another thing I was thinking of too, is just, you know, steps forward, a step back, finally to arrive at your goal is that it reminds me of something from Atomic Habits, um, the book Atomic Habits, and that it's, it's not, it's not, Every little thing that you've done, even though it might, you might not see any difference whatsoever. Once you finally arrive at whatever it is that you're seeking or your goal, even you think it just happened one day, (laughs) but it didn't, it happened from the point that you started trying, even though you saw no fruits from your labor or you see no progress or you have regression or you get redirected or rerouted in your life. Like how many times do we get rerouted in our life? And we're like, that wasn't my plan. Um, (laughs) It was all part of getting to that final, getting to that, that goal or that destination that you wanted. And it was not, it was never a waste of time. It's so true. And it's one of these, like, how do we even just remind ourselves that? Because it's so easy to fit in, like slip into the patterns. Like, what is happening? Why am I doing it? That was a waste of time. Like, even when I think back of my eight years of being a stay-at-home wife, like it's a waste of time, but it wasn't because it taught me so many lessons and allowed me to never go back there. Um, I assume you've seen the movie Karate Kid. I have not actually. The old movie Karate Kid. Oh my God. Is that what I'm watching on Netflix tonight? I just need a movie. <laughs> now, 
not the TV show, the old school movie. No, I ha- I really, I'm not very either. I've seen a lot of funny movies, but there's a lot of movies that are classics that I haven't seen. Okay. Like, I haven't seen Star Wars. I haven't seen like any of those, like, uh, what are the ones, the Ferodo ones, the those futuristic oh, the Lord, the, um, Lord of the Lord Rings, of the Rings. <laughs> or the other one that's kind of like, I haven't seen any of them. So anyway. What, uh, what movies do you watch then? Funny ones, usually. Okay. Or like really, um, I love, um, who is it? It's a Nolan. Um, what's his Nolan? Oh, Jonathan Nolan? No, is no, no, no he Christopher did Nolan. Inception. Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan. Yeah, did Inception and Tenet and mm. like that kind of a movie. Those sort of thought-provoking, futuristic-ish. So I, I grew up watching 80s movies and that's why I brought it up because yeah. there's so many of them that like, if I could go back, like not even go back, if I could make movies now, those are the types of movies I would make because they're really freaking entertaining. But the lesson is so amazing. So Karate Kid, it's like they get him, so he gets, um, he wants a teacher to like help him like learn karate. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to this guy, Mr. Miyagi, and Mr. Miyagi starts to give him a paintbrush. And he's like, paint my fence. And so for like a week, he has him painting his fence. And then he's like, now wax my cars. And so now for another week, he's got this kid waxing his cars. And he's like, what the hell? I came to learn karate and you've just got me freaking as your like slave, basically (laughs) painting and like waxing your cars. And he starts going, all right, show me. So Mr. Miyagi starts throwing soft punches. He's like now paint. And he starts blocking the paint brushes. He starts blocking the things as if he was painting. And then he does wax on wax off so that's where it came from he starts blocking the punches with a wax on wax off and the whole metaphor is waxing on and waxing the car off is in preparation for when you're literally he steps in the ring he gets his ankle broken and what does he do he gets back up and then we're the match so it's like from it's the yeah exactly so the, the idea of waxing on and waxing off is the preparation. So mm-hmm. while it feels like you're painting a fence, what you're actually doing is preparing for battle. Yes. And so going to the skill sets of what you're saying is that when I didn't realize, when I was the stay-at-home wife and I was freaking miserable and all I was doing is trying to fill my day, I would start to like, I would like go to the grocery store and like collect coupons and how can I save money? And oh my God, today it's to buy toilet rolls, get a third one free. So I've just now doubled our money or tripled our money, right? And so I would start to play games just to fill my mind because I hated being a stay-at-home wife. And now what I ended up doing, I found myself flash forward three years later, we're at Quest, we're building, I'm building my shipping department and I have the budget. I'm using the budgetary mindset that I created when I was a stay-at-home wife on how on earth I build a production facility and a shipping facility. And so now when I'm looking at shipping labels and I'm looking at UPS versus FedEx, I'm looking at costs, I'm seeing who can ship quicker. It's all the skills that I freaking learned when I was a stay-at-home wife thinking I was just painting a fence. And then I find myself in battle at Quest where actually I realize the painting the fence is actually getting me you know, the building of the facility. So the wax on wax off is such a beautiful mentality that even right now, as people are listening, when they're doing things that they're like, what the hell am I doing? I'm wasting my life. Going to your point of if we can reframe it and say, maybe I'm building a skill set that I can look for, look, you know, use in the future, then it doesn't seem like a waste. Oh, man. 
so many gems, so many lessons that you've been able to identify in such a positive way and also teach yourself how to identify. It is an art to be able to shift that perception. Um, thank you. Thank you for sharing so many lessons and thank you for the book, Radical Confidence. I can't wait to read it. Like, I feel like there's just going to be a, a lot of really, a lot of really great stories and great examples of how we can grow and evolve. So thank you for all of your deep work and your radical confidence and honesty that you share with everybody. And I can't wait to be on your show. Thank you. Hell yeah, homie. Thank you for having me on. Thank yeah. you for just creating a platform, um, you know, where you're inspiring other people. And yeah, I just think that, you know, um, who you are behind the scenes also, you know, really does show who, you know, a person really is. And I've seen you behind the scenes and how sweet and gracious you are and wonderful. And I haven't seen you in a few years, but, um, you know, who you show up to be every day is such a beautiful example of how powerful women really can be. So thank you for all that you do to the world. That sounds a little like woo woo, but like, seriously, thank you, homie. And then thank you for having me on. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks everybody for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.